Hey there, film fans. I'm Jeff. I'm Dave. And I'm John, and welcome back to The Love of Cinema, a pod in which we'll challenge one another to discuss movies, both new and old, with a strictly positive critical eye. That's right. And to make sure we avoid lazy negativity, we've decided to make this episode a drinking game. Just this one. So Just anytime you hear us say anything negative at all, you're going to hear us play this sound, which means that we have to take a drink. We hope you drink along with us for our 200th episode. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, pour yourselves a glass. Do a shot. It's two hundred, baby. We made it to two hundred. Let's go. Oh my go. god! So sick of you, fucking assholes. <laughs> I know. We keep coming back to the table, <laughs> unlike the producers. Um, guys. Oh. Guys, two hundred episodes. Our first episode. episodes. <laughs> I forget you guys. if we. I believe we either recorded or it dropped on like February fifteenth, two thousand twenty. Just yeah, the we perfect recorded. time to start a movie podcast. We recorded on <laughs> Valentine's Day. <laughs> We were single. No, Dave wasn't. I do, I do think one. it's important to point that out. We were not one of the many fucks that sat around with nothing to do in the pandemic and said, let's start a podcast. Beat we the were rush. the assholes who made the choice to do it right before it began. Yeah, we were doing it before it was cool. Not thinking that was going to happen. And those other yeah. lo- Love of Cinema bastards that had fucking stopped their shit, they had stopped making episodes, and then all of a sudden they decided, hey, why don't we get back into the podcast game? No, it was ours. We, it's our name. Yeah. We're, we're the heart, people. <laughs> You got off. You got off the seat. You left you it. We checked. Oh we God, checked. Dude. We checked. Yeah. Anyway, people, two hundred episodes. So we had. I reached out to a bunch of people who had been on the show. People who had been on the show. Um. So that sorry, family, that we didn't ask you. Thank you for supporting us. But people who had been on the show. We reached out. So we got voice memos. We're gonna kind of leave them Thank going throughout the, the episode to force all these people to listen to our episode this week. Uh, and also, <laughs> this is gonna be a big one because we are still doing our summer movie blockbuster. It's gonna be eight downloads. Face off. Yes. <laughs> yeah, come on. Our are come up. On. So anyway, it's going to be a big one today, so we're going to split it up into two episodes. 200 episode part one, 200 episode part two, so that way we can do the voice memos, thank all of our guests for being on the show and for reaching out to us, say it's okay to those of you that didn't get fucking back to me. <laughs> it's not okay. <laughs> it's okay, I know, it's hard to make a 30 uh, second voice memo. That's um, for them. Clearly, okay. they're not listening to <laughs> Get in the car and do a shot. Yeah. Um, so anyway, but thanks to everybody who reached out. So you'll be listening to that. But yes, as I said a second ago, we're still doing our summer blockbuster face-off, which is where we take the highest grossing summer movie of every year and we battle them off. And we're at, we're nearing the end, which mm. means that around two is going to be next week. So only one advances and one goes home. Raiders of the Lost Ark lost. I don't want to hear about it, people. I don't want to hear about it. These things happen. <laughs> you know up against the Empire. What do you want from us? Um, and we're using domestic numbers for that. We define summer as May through Labor Day because some of these movies came out the first weekend of May, so they kind of jumped the gun on summer. But anyway. But first, who did, who did Barbenheimer? Did you. Everybody, did everybody I'm do holding out for the big format. I'm holding oh. out for the big format at Oppenheimer. And that thing sold the fuck. I mean, it is yeah. weeks, weeks of it. And I, why, I, why do I want to see the standard then go up? But you did that. So you're, you're a monster. I, well, I still managed to get an IMAX because someone canceled their seat. I was like, yeah, last minute. I, was I, I think they were, uh, I think it was, it was probably Mark going to see it <laughs> from the Matt and Mike movie show. And just I last minute it. they canceled the seat. And uh, yeah, so I got in dead center row D. And yeah, not gonna I, had lie, really, I had a really <laughs> sick, yeah, I had a really sick uh, IMAX Oppenheimer experience. And I also saw Barbie. Well, you sort did. Of twice. What the hell? Yeah. <laughs> I thought you Barbie weren't going to see these parts. things. <laughs> yeah, wait. 
We're doing this on, on air right now. Jeff, did you not see both of these movies? You told me you weren't going to get to see Oppenheimer. And I was and my mom's birthday yesterday. And then I responded in the weekend said, I'll have to get tickets. She wanted episodes. We've got our shit together, folks. Well, what the fuck? We could have talked. We could have done. All right. <laughs> I thought we were. I thought that was the whole fucking point. Listener, you're listening in on our on our thought process here. No, we're doing movie. the summer yeah. thing. high ground. You watched the wrong fucking movie last week. Yeah, yeah, it's true. It's true. I, I, I was so I was so dedicated this week to seeing both of them, despite my ridiculous schedule right now, that I actually saw Barbie sort of twice because uh, at the Burbank Burbank uh, AMC sixteen theater, halfway through fucking Barbie, this is great, you guys. This is this is AMC yeah. at its best. We we really give this company a lot of shit, but this is a real standout for me. I'm in the Dolby theater at this large. AMC. There's a lot of fucking people in there. Halfway through the movie, the lights come on. That's it. Just the lights. Everybody's a little uncomfortable because, as you can imagine, like they have to put their dicks away. Sorry, I'm sorry. I, I'm, whatever. Kids yeah. probably kids probably listen to this. I'm sorry. Sure, sure, sure. Dicks away. But we're also. I know everybody's thinking. You know, like, listed is not. For we live in fucking everything. We live in fucking America in the 21st century. I was like, surely there would be other, some other kind of announcement or warning if a legitimate thing was happening right now, you know, is there a shooting? Is there something like, did, why is it a more legitimate announcement think, happening? If they have to shooting, interrupt this the movie? lights off, wouldn't you? Somebody leaves the theater <laughs> and comes back in a patron. This is minutes after the lights have come on. And just somebody who was in the theater said, there's a fire in another theater. Everybody needs to get out. And we thought they were kidding for a while. There's, a, there's like 200 people in this theater yeah. watching fucking Barbie. They didn't stop the movie. They didn't turn the sound down. There's no fire alarm noise. There's no fire alarm, even though you see those things on the walls, the lights aren't flashing. So after several minutes, everybody's like, I guess we should get the fuck out of here because more people kept coming in and being like, there's a fucking fire in another theater. Everybody needs to get out of here. So we're like, everybody shuffles out of this theater and nobody still ever actually found out. Once we got out into the lobby, we could hear fire alarms and stuff. I think an actual fire did break out somewhere in the theater, but fuck you, AMC. Not a single was... fucking fire alarm sounded in one of your large format theaters with like, how many people you think fit in those things? Three, 300, 400 people? Yeah, that's that's a serious safety concern. Like even oh, even in like the jobs God, that I dude. have, like when the fire alarm goes off, it's wired into the sound system. It disconnects the sound system and shuts the whole of thing course, down. Of course, like, something like that should happen. Yeah, it was crazy. But I'm and, so you know, dedicated to this fucking podcast. A flashing light, yeah, exactly. I did go see it by myself late last night to watch... The first half again, and the second half for the first time. You kept saying, "Oh, good cool. I, I I wish I didn't say my dick joke about Barbie. I just I wish it was Oppenheimer that I made that joke. It has nothing to do with the content of the movie or pervs going to see this. It's a very feminist power. It's an amazing movie. Fuck. I mean, Two the, episodes. Well, I mean, the, the fucking there, there probably wasn't a fire. It was just some fucking incel threatened by the middle of the movie and pulled the fire alarm. That's probably what it was. Yeah. Because you, Jeff, you have seen Barbie, not yeah. Oppenheimer. Correct. And cool. I could have seen it in a standard format. I was holding out for the big ones. My mom's birthday yesterday. That I, makes, I that, makes that 200th and... episode officially Barbie. Yes. Yeah, Barbie I guess, that, I guess that's all we're doing. In which case, it. we might not need to break this up if we're only doing one movie. Let's fucking, let's do it. And let's see what we got. I'm, I'm going to mention a few no things offense, about listener, I think everybody has seen the movies we're going to be talking about for our blockbuster face-off multiple times. So maybe our discussions don't need to be quite as lengthy since we've talked about three of them at, at nauseam in our uh 
you know, franchise face off, right? I'm going to keep my yearly things quick. Too. All four of them, actually. We've talked about all of them already a little bit on our on our podcast. So anyway, so do, do you want to well, do part? Why don't, why don't do we? Because uh, it's our 200 episode, we had some people uh, leave us some yeah, nice yeah. messages. Um, and I, I don't know if anyone ever caught it, but we appeared on a podcast called Butter Song. Is it is butter, just Butter Song? Life is Butter Song. Life but is the butter email song. is Butter Song. Yeah, because, yeah. okay, yeah. cool. Not Butter yeah. Song. Butter Song, but, yeah. But life, life is Butter Song. Is but a song. <laughs> life is but a song. There we go. Musical movies. And, and, and what, were we, uh, what episode? We were on there for um, Reefer Madness. Re- Reefer Madness oh for God. their. For it was his special anniversary episode, right? Was it not? Or no, we did it. We did no, it. Was a just thing his, for their t- he has two hundred fifty episodes. It was for four twenty. Yeah, it was it for four twenty. Four twenty episode. No, no, no. And, uh, yeah, that's yeah, right. There that's you right. go. Okay, yeah. Dave, let's play. Hello, everyone. My name is John, and I host the podcast Life's But a Song. I had the pleasure of having Jeff, John, and Dave on my Reefer Madness episode. When I think of the love of cinema, I think of just three chill, cool guys who I wish I went to college with, and we're just nerd out and talk about movies. Congratulations on your 200th episode. I know it's a lot of hard work. Trust me. I look forward to the day of us recording again, because you guys are just fun. A toast to you guys. Cheers. Oh my god! That's Cheers, so nice. John. Cheers. You know what? I, I I wish I went to college with you too, because then I wouldn't be so fucking old. <laughs> oh man, uh, the wisdom. That was Dude, nice, wisdom, John. Because I mean, again, we were on the Reefer Madness 420 episode, so I love. Super <laughs> I chill. I, I didn't have that. an end to my sentence. <laughs> you, you know that thing, wisdom. Yeah. John it's is going to be on our podcast again. We we wanted to bring him on these, but our episodes keep getting longer and longer for these uh, face-off things. So sorry, John, you will be on it again. But four people yeah. debating these movies. Uh, yeah, I know we'd have fall. we'd have to make a phone call to to do a decider if we have four. <laughs> this fall, okay. Yeah, that would be awesome. Sweet. Who else um, we got? Anyone do you want to pepper, anyone, pepper them through? We, we got a we got a few of them, so let's. Uh, we, anyone remember uh, Chris? Chris Hurt, Hurt oh, yeah. Chris Hurt, yeah, yeah, he's one of my my besties here in Los Angeles. Yeah, you'd, you'd never guess. How oh, yeah. love cinema podcast? It's your friend Chris Hurt, and this is my thirty seconds on the love of cinema. <laughs> Start the clock. And action ah good movie reference (laughs) for me the love of cinema is visiting different worlds and seeing the struggles and triumphs and love and laughter and everything else we associate with being human but from someone else's perspective and the subjectivity and how two people can experience the same film differently but both come away with a deep and meaningful connection to it it's an appreciation for collaborative art and what talented people from different backgrounds can accomplish in working towards a common creative goal it's the way a subtle change of framing, the lingering of a shot, the hesitation in a response, the moments when silence speaks volumes, and just how damn funny even the saddest moments in life can be. There you go. Did, wow, I love that, Chris. That's nice. Yeah. Does he know? Does he know that the Lovison was the, the name of our podcast? Chat, chat, I was going to say. I was going to say. Chat GPT is getting really emotional. <laughs> Look at him we, finding a way to very heartfelt sincerely talk about the philosophy of the love of cinema and basically say fuck you to all three of us chris you know what that's for you dude yeah thank you Wait, for uh thank you for your him, amazing... he wrote that down he very clearly yes. was reading he wrote it down like we can't Incredible. work into that Incredible. He, 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 he did in. no 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 i i uh, that maybe yeah. that was off the cuff and he's just he's just that good at it we okay. should send that recording to the studio heads and producers that we're fucking negotiating with so they can understand yeah. what's at stake here He's basically the Hannah Waddingham 
um, in in like shutting down the live golf. Sorry, not the live golf. Shutting down like the Saudi soccer league or whatever. Remember the Super League? Remember how she did that in Ted Lasso season three? He basically yeah. just gave the speech for why they shouldn't do that. Spoilers. <laughs> Oh, come on. It actually happened several years ago with FIFA. I can uh, see, though, when I say, what does the love of cinema mean to you? I, I can see how that, yep, that was, that's on me. I'm actually, that's I'm it. actually, but, you know what? This this buzz is for my co-host, Jeff, who sent this email out to these motherfuckers and clearly didn't make it clear that it was for the podcast. Yeah, you know he what, actually, he actually, Chris? He actually, Chris, sent it, it, he actually sent it after we recorded a show in his defense. It, we, maybe he also I did, recorded I did, one. I sent it right after we finished last week. I, maybe Chris, he thank also you for your recorded one. Message. It wasn't about us, he, but I really appreciate it. He actually sent me one that was private that was just talking shit about Jeff because of his uh, destruction well, of his work on used. Mandalorian. That one we could have um, used. I got like seven of those. <laughs> yeah, we, we, need, we, need two, we need two parts for this episode. We need a part one and part two. <laughs> Thank right. you, Chris. I, I, did, I did mention it was our 200th episode, but I, I, I see it's very. I get it. I get it. Okay, cool. Um, and one Thank of our Jeff. one of our um, sponsors, I, I may have forgotten to send a message to. So uh, we do have a beer sponsor. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Good segue. His name is Carlos Brozzo. Uh, also, on Instagram. oh my god. But the, our Jesus other, Christ. We'll, we'll announce our other uh, our another sponsor. He'll announce himself soon. Yeah. How you doing, Jeff? All right, let's go on. Are you guys are you guys ready? Are you ready, are you ready to start our episode? Uh, uh, sure, yeah. yeah. 200. All right. So we're going to do the face-off first. So in part one here, you're going to hear us do, I don't know if you've ever heard of these movies, but we are in the years 2012 to 2015. So we're going to have 2012 versus 2013, which in this case is The Avengers against Iron Man 3. Avengers against Iron Man 3. One has to go on and one has to lose and never be talked about again. That's a good podcast. sign of exactly how well structured this show is because I thought we were doing the other stuff first. But, what uh, the fuck, let's, guys? Let's... You told me we weren't doing fucking Barbenheimer. <laughs> I could have gone. I would have figured it out. We texted right. about it. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know about this. <laughs> All right, whatever. Um, young kids, not reading your fucking text you messages. Fucking... Honestly. This is on me? Yeah, we're making it that. You gotta listen to the end of the episode in our What You've Been Watching segment where we talk about Barbie. Do you wanna do Barbie first? Dave's gonna have to edit the shit out of this episode. Do you wanna do we could do that? We could do I just didn't see Oppenheimer because I Yeah, I'll talk about Barbie. All right, so Barbie first, and then we're gonna do our franchise face-off. And then at the end of the episode, or in part two, you're gonna hear us talk about Guardians of the Galaxy. It's not a franchise face-off. Yeah. Jeff, what is wrong? What's going Jesus. What was in that salad <laughs> that you just fucking shoved down your throat right salad. before we hit record? We're never getting we're never getting a producer. Um we producer and quit. And our summer <laughs> box office face-off. In part two, you're going to hear us talk about Guardians of the Galaxy, 2014. It's close enough to just read the title. Against Jurassic World. We're going to be talking about that later. But first, we're going to be talking about Barbie as part one of our Barbenheimer episode. And then I guess we'll do Oppenheimer and Guardians of Jurassic World in part two. Does that work for you guys? Absolutely. Okay, cool. So Barbie first and then Avengers and Iron Man 3. Do you need a cue music or should we go right into Barbie? Let's just go right into Barbie. All right, guys. What did you guys think of Barbie? What a sound clip. (laughs) <laughs> that was the, the which Dave just said. Sorry, I, uh, I, yeah. I, I said it with such glee to it. I should have said it creepily if I'd thought about it, but no. Mm, let's do the usual. I guess we haven't done this in a while, but new movie. I guess let's just go around the horn and kind of 
kind of give the thoughts. Kind of I'll go last. You'll go last. Jeff, why don't you go first? Since you this was the premiere movie that you saw this week yeah, that's in it. the theater. You thought about it. You're prepared for it. What'd you think, dude? I loved Barbie. I loved Barbie. I really, really, really did. Um, I think ultimately there's like one or two things that, that just kind of slowed down for me that I'm sure other people probably felt the opposite, that like probably really grounded the movie for them. For me, it kind of, they're like one or two little things that that were like my absolute favorite choices. But if you look at the big picture thing, like anything in Barbie land, fucking 10 out of 10. And that is not a spoiler that's in the trailer. Anything in Barbie land, 10 out of 10. Beginning of the movie. And then obviously yada, yada, yada. Anything in Barbie land, 10 out of 10. I love the montages, you know, whether it's reminding you of like Elf or anything else where they discover the real world. Again, not a spoiler, because that's the pitch of the movie is that Barbie leaves Barbie land to go to the real worlds when she has an existential crisis. It's in the trailers. Um, the montages, discovering the real world, Ken realizing that what a patriarchy is and her realizing what a patriarchy is, 10 out of 10. There were a couple little things here and there that, that again, just lost me a little bit, but I, I really, really loved it. I laughed a lot. And um, I highly recommend it to every single person. That's it. John, you want to go second? Jeff is sponsored by the company Mattel. <laughs> if you would like to subscribe. <laughs> I didn't give it the most glowing review in the world, but, you know, I really love it. Um, I was in two theaters, as I said, <laughs> and both theaters had a blast. So did, anyone did who's give, alive did right now. Did you Dolby again? No, I, I couldn't. It, it, honestly, yeah. I literally it's couldn't. Fuck it is yet. so... It sold out. It's so sold yeah. out everywhere for so long, at least in LA. And I know this is a, a movie going town, but I mean, it really is. It was hard to find just a single ticket. Mm -hmm. uh, so I had to go really late at night in a regular theater. And it's fine. You don't need to see this on a super large format. Ticket with so, an audience is way more important than <clears throat> the format, I think. And I mean, in any way right now, I think you're going to get an audience. It's just doing so well. The marketing is just drenching. Every highest grossing female director film. Uh, like, yeah. Um, yeah. like in t in total between this and Oppenheimer, it's the fourth highest weekend in cinema history. Awesome. Yeah, it's a uh, so so. I'm divided in two, you guys, and and part of me is very very. Anyone who's gonna you know give opportunity to to voice this female perspective, congrats. Two of our premier female talents: actor, producer Margot Robbie, who signed on to this first, and then. Her and Warners and Mattel hiring Greta Gerwig and then her, Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach coming on as a team to write the screenplay, Greta to eventually direct it and bring it to life, the marketing that went behind it. I mean, there was so much commercially that is successful about this. And I also don't want to take away from within that, that hiring from a company who was trying to get their property made. I think they, in a lot of ways, they did transcend that what is a business deal on his face to try to start a Mattel universe in film. And I think they did um, you know, about as well as they could have. The male jokes about men, like they resonated with me a little bit better just because I got them when Ken was doing the patriarchy stuff. But the Barbie land, some of that stuff fell flat for me just because I don't know the world and I don't care about the world, just to be totally honest. Um, but the allegory, I want to get a little bit further into that because she is very, very, they, uh, Noah Baumbach, uh, as her co-writer, Greta Gerwig, director, lead screenwriter, but also with her partner, Noah Baumbach, they are clearly dealing with allegory here. It's on its face. They're using it as a vehicle to talk about patriarchy, to talk about the absolute, you have to address it, and I'm glad it's the tip of their spear, fact that Barbie 
was created under certain circumstances that then eventually moved through waves of feminism and a retail life in the United States and throughout the world that has created a lot of controversy. So they're dealing with how Barbie thought that they were doing the right thing. Uh, but ultimately, it ended up, you know, backfiring in different waves of feminism throughout history. We'll get into that. Ultimately, the final comment on allegory about what Ken was supposed to do confused me. And I'm gen genuine about that. I want to ask you guys what you thought about it. So half of me is confused, uh, is not confused, is excited for them. Huge commercial success. Way to go, Greta Gerwig, for stepping up. I think Margot Robbie was already probably there with superstardom. But Greta Gerwig has stepped up in terms of clout and her ability to helm a film this big. But guys, if I'm being honest, there's another part of me that felt like they made the greatest two-hour commercial ever made. Because ultimately, this is Mattel approaching Warner Brothers to try to make a movie to sell more products. And they hired some of the best to do it. And the marketing is just so crazy here. And at the end of the day, I'm a little disappointed that they made a movie about fucking Barbie, if I'm being, if I'm being real. I'm feeling both things. <laughs> Sure, sure. Dave? I hope that came off with respect because yeah. I'm feeling both things. Dave? This is... Uh, they, they could have really half-assed this. They could have just, you know, thrown a couple of toys in, had a, a loose storyline, and it just didn't. Like, I... The detail in, like, Barbie World where all the toys are there but blown up to life-size... And like even the like the fucking ambulance that pulls up and opens at the back because that's how the toy fucking opens. Like all of that stuff was in there, and sure, it's it's going to help them sell toys, but it was also like a good thing for anyone who was older who had some of those toys as a kid. They would instantly recognize everything in the first part of this movie. I think everyone's this is um like good performances all round. Although Ryan Gosling occasionally shat me with his overacting, mm. I would I would have there's a couple of bits I would have chopped of him maybe. Yeah, let's get. I, I want to hear that more detail later. Yeah, it, it it happens towards the end. Um, and I'm not really a fan of Will Ferrell. Um, so I don't know I don't know if Will Ferrell understood the fucking assignment. Um, but the messages throughout this 100% behind him it's it's got a great message and I really hope people listen um it's yeah it's not all about female empowerment because like the conclusion they come to at the end um like which we'll talk about in a second uh yeah I I love this I had a great time the theater had a great time um I can't tell you what the thing was that made me laugh out loud and nearly fall out of my fucking chair but it was Helen Mirren yeah, um, that was a great moment. That was a great right moment. Right in the middle of the film, out of nowhere. That was a great <laughs> so, moment. Really yeah. good. Because they only used that voiceover like three times. I, they could use more of it for sure. Yeah, they really could use more of it. Um, they did kind of abandon it, didn't they? I agree about something. Well, that. tell me, tell me what you guys think about this. And and I know so many people love this movie, and I imagine there are people in this world that would be just fucking furious if they were listening to this. Oh, there 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 are people. They're they're out there already. And I look if if we were on Rotten on Tomatoes, and if we were on Dicks. I don't, know. I don't know about John, but if we were on Rotten Tomatoes, we'd probably give it, it would be a positive review. You know what I mean? It would be a tomato. It wouldn't be a green, whatever the fuck they do on Rotten Tomatoes. We all love, I, I, I genuinely loved it and laughed out loud. I think one of the, the biggest thing for me that held it back was, um, 
It, it was it was the 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 the, the Mattel guys. What the fuck was that? Th that's the real world, but they didn't yeah. exist in the real world. So we got to see the real world. Because again, I love Barbie Land. I know that I know what you're saying, John, where some of the jokes didn't land. Even Ken being like, "All I do is beach." Like that personally did not land for me. I, that, that's a little it's a little sophomoric, you know, being like, "I beach. That's what I do. Beach, beach." I, I didn't love it, and but you know, they, they had fun with it at least. Like I did laugh a little bit at like the "I'm gonna beat you off." Like okay, so that's fun. You know, that's cool. But just like all I do is beach. That's my job. I beach. You know, okay, it's fine. It's fine. That was that stuff. I'm with you, but otherwise, I really love the world. I bought into the world. I don't care about this world either. At least I didn't growing up. But I, I'm into it. But Will Ferrell, these guys. I mean, it wasn't real. There was no truth to it at all. So, I personally would rather have Tracy Letts play that role. I would rather have somebody that can actually act, and or even Will Ferrell and fucking Zoolander, who was the CEO of a company, but it was grounded. It was actually rooted in truth, even though it was hot, larger than life. But none of that seemed real. It's it really yeah. so. Even mm. the people who were like playing scared, they were I, playing I, scared, but they weren't genuinely. I worried. feel like they had CEOs in mind when they were were like developing this character. It's because it's like it's those those blind savior CEOs. It's like yeah, we're gonna help women, but the whole board is men. Yeah, but and, I just I didn't like that. believe, it's, but I didn't yeah. believe them though. You know, no, so that, I, just, I feel that like, was yeah, a bummer they, for me. They really they really did kind of neuter those characters. Luckily, they they're not in a match. Well, because they they might as well have been in Barbie Lands because they they again they weren't grounded in this real world. I, I feel like they could have yeah. really done that and so when mattel gets mad about barbie leaving it wasn't just a joke it kind of felt like a joke and i yeah. really wish that they were mad about that you know they could have had some good tension anyway what else do you guys want to talk about do you think that that is a you know a consequence of this being backed by mattel just playing it safe so, a little they, bit they told they they a couple of new ones in this am i let's clarify this because i'm not gonna lie you guys i think and tell me if you knew this and i did not i did not know that mattel approached Warner Brothers and then Warner Brothers got Mar Margot Robbie involved and then they all hired Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach. I did not know that was how I went. Same. Last year, when we started hearing about Greta Gerwig making a Barbie movie, I thought she was going to fucking stick it to the the man and the woman. <laughs> you know, uh, I, I thought that she had this original idea after adapting Little Women so successfully, which was her follow-up movie to her first mm. film, Lady Bird, which did really well. And I was like, uh-oh, here we go. And... This was not that. And I guess I just, I, the context for me does matter just because this is somebody who's being hired by a toy company to make a movie yeah. about toys. There are subtones and, of that in there, though. Um, she would, yes, yeah, just, just to the risk of like uh, spoiling things. Um, did you know it? Answer that question first, though. Did you guys know that or did. Not until The Daily came out the Monday after I saw it and then they talked okay. about it. Yeah. Yeah. Dave, same for you. Did you not know that? No, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. But I okay. love the way that okay. Greta, she said, like, she grew up with Barbies, but she never really necessarily felt connected to them. But she was a girl, and that's what she was supposed to do, so she did. So there is, I kind of felt the mother-daughter relationship. Now, that was a very good, real kind of thing to sort of give us some heart. I, I, I thought that was yeah. moving. That I was bet you that's going to Definitely my favorite part. The yeah. Thing yeah. That, um, America Ferreira and yeah. her daughter. I'm sorry, I can't yeah. remember the actor's name. That was That was touching. Her name. Yeah, is... I like. I like the um, like the subtext right. we were talking about earlier. Like it's it. She was in a way like she was taking down men like crazy, which you know not undeserved. There was not a lot said that was wrong, if anything. And um, but also when when the Barbies get brainwashed, yeah. they settle into that role, and it's like this is so much easier. This is so much more fun. This is so. It was almost like, you know, you. It, to me, it was like she was saying, "You've got to stand up for yourself and not just give up so easy." But you do. Yeah, and it's like yeah. you know, yeah. don't take the easy road out. It's hard, we know, but 
yeah, stop taking the easy road out. And I feel like like there that's is, not me saying that. I feel like that's what she was saying. They pulled mm. all of this off. Um, that said, none of this was was brand new commentary on feminism. The speech no. Mer- American Ferreira says, the rant that pulls the first, who's the first Barbie they pull out? Barbie, right? And then yeah. she goes around and they start pulling, uh, uh, Margot Robbie's stereotypical Barbie. And then they use the same tactic. America Ferreira, give your speech about feminism, how difficult it is. That, that literally lo- is the device. I love that it's always different, though. This, it's always a different yeah. drive. And it's always different. <laughs> I've heard all those things before. So it's not the first time that we've ever heard anybody say this, uh, but it was very effective and it was it was placed really efficiently uh, as a device within the film to move it forward. Of course, I have ideas, but I want to know y'all's opinion. The last, the punctuation on her allegory, that the conversation she's having with men watching this movie about Ken needing to go find himself. Hmm. What does that actually mean within allegory? As a whole, I took, I took that whole discussion as they both needed to meet in the middle. They couldn't have one or the other. It's like she, they couldn't have Barbie Land the way it was, where she says, like, not every night needed to be girls' night. I've girls realized, night, right, I've, right. I've come to the, I've realized that, yes, I was part of the problem. And now you need to go and figure out what you want because you've never had, like, what you want or any identity apart from me. So it's one of those things where she's, she's literally his whole world. He has nothing else. Like, when she walks out of the picture, there's nothing. He and, just, again, he, and again, he just, yeah, it's like when they turn the fucking lights on the, in Toy Story. That's not the allegory, though. I agree with that. That's the dramaturgy of their story within yeah. Barbie's perspective. That made sense to me. They answered the question that they asked about their relationship. I'm saying the allegory of what she is saying to men there, because they're clearly they're having a conversation with us this entire movie. I mean, those they're men very exist. open about it. Those men exist. If they they don't know what to do without the woman. Like they, they exist, but it's reverse patriarchy where in the whole other time they were basically having an opposite conversation. So is she telling women through Ken? Do you see what I'm saying? This this whole thing is about the reverse roles. I think at this point it's because they're both changing. I think it becomes about everyone. It's like you need need to have an identity of self before you can include another person in that person is supposed to compliment you, not replace you. And it is curious that, Barbie's essentially saying she also was ignoring Ken. She's admitting yeah. that. And we knew that the whole time, right. obviously, throughout the movie. But now she actually is realizing it. So it's also possible that she's saying this because she's ready to let the Venn diagram have a middle section. <laughs> and um, ba- and I, I, don't even, I didn't even necessarily mm. interpret it as it could be interpreted, which is basically like, if you find out who you are, then we can be together. It's all about you. I actually kind of, I don't know if it was just the performance maybe bringing it in, like the script, as you were saying, had to do be that, but like almost sitting there and being like what Dave is saying, meeting in the middle. And it is almost kind of like, well, let's both. Like now that I feel like I'm finding out who I am, you also find out who you are and then we can be together because you need to yeah. be true to self in order to be able to share that self or something else. They didn't necessarily explicitly go that, but that's what I took from it. And that was enough for me. I think this movie is telling, there's no such thing as a perfect movie. I, I Even when I was watching it, I was like, there's a couple things, like obviously they're creating the world, but when you tell the story, you can't highlight every single thing in, if you want to keep this through line. So there's going to be some things where I was like, okay, we've, we, we have the, the image of a girl taking Barbie off of the top and just like having her leap onto the ground and then later just basically having her throw her off, you know, when things start going awry. So we have these little details, we have the vent, but we don't have every detail. 
you know, so obviously they like chose some and didn't choose some others and they started some yeah. and didn't finish. So I was like, it's, there's no such thing as a perfect movie. So yeah, this did, I guess the emotional through line is what they were going for. Us, we got, you know, I think all of us here seemed like it did, A to Z didn't quite a hundred percent, but I bought into the world. I bought into their, their bid and it did move me. And I feel like there's a lot of people who have no complaints about any of that. The same way that people keep fucking talking yeah. about Mission Impossible and nobody's talking about the goddamn plot, but they're like, I love the action sequences. I felt so fucking alive. Oh, yeah, I, and I think that. that's what Barbie is. Because you know what, John, you were right. You said there's nothing fresh about feminism in here. You're right. But to most people going to see movies in the theater with a whole bunch of people, a packed theater, seeing a feminist movie like this, it probably will feel like the first and that, time for them. And that it was the thing. Fresh. Because yeah. of the whole Barbenheimer thing that somehow lumped these two together. Um, and this crushed. Everybody, crushed. everybody book tickets because they wanted to be a part of the thing but i saw something i haven't seen in years when i walked out of that theater there are people standing in the street in groups talking about what they've just seen they're hyped for it. i saw I, a giant I, group of, yeah. i saw a giant group of people in barbie attire like you know fandom oh, yeah. straight up wearing all the things and this dude walked by me he was like do you guys see oppenheimer <laughs> <laughs> they were like yeah. oh yeah 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 totally. did, you see the, did you see the dad that got in the tutu and everything and took his girl to barbie that's cool no. that's yeah cool. best cool. on ground there Great marketing um, campaign. Yeah, well, it was just like this. This uh, generated this generated something I haven't seen in years, which was a mass like swarming of the theaters for for two tentpole films, and then people so, standing around talking about how much fun they just had at the movies. Yeah. Okay. And just so for that, it, it, it wins in my book. All right, I'm gonna just I'll just be the asshole one last time because I'm, I'm clearly the I'm clearly the descent here uh, two to one. I kind of felt like this movie built to a self-effacing Mattel saying, we're a little bit sorry, and we're launching a new product called Original Barbie. And that's what this entire movie actually ended up. From Mattel's perspective, they wanted to make this, and they gave they gave Greta Gerwig, I guess, enough latitude to try to imprint as much conversation and about the you know feminism and the controversy of the history of barbie as she could which i do think she pulled off but ultimately i think this whole movie built to uh, america ferrera's pitch to will ferrell's ceo about having an original barbie and i think we are about to enter a world where mattel uh hasbro is doing it with dungeons and dragons where we're gonna see we're gonna see people Whoa. trying to do <laughs> See? <laughs> just we're gonna, up we're gonna see. I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> we're gonna see all these companies trying to cash in on what Marvel has done so successfully. And um, if I'm being totally honest, there's a part of me that's really, really, really bummed out about that. That so, our most premier so, talent so George might Lucas be can do it, but Mattel can't. I've you, com you Jay, Dave, if you heard me complain about Star Wars and the <laughs> right? I mean, come on, we we can. I'm just saying, on the other side of the aisle, I'm not praising him. I had issue. I did see Oppenheimer, and I'm excited to talk about it with you guys. We have. I have some criticisms. Me too. I do not have a criticism for one of our only mass commercial appealing auteurs making something that was based on a fictional character, but wasn't to sell merchandise. It was an original idea, and. Oh, on the other side of this, we have Isn't Mattel a real backing a real character. We have Mattel backing. I don't know if you guys ever searched Google for anything Barbie movie related this past week, but sparkles pop up. Yeah, yeah. Like they have bought, they have drenched the world in the marketing for this. So I was wondering of when I was they in made the a theater, movie. Of course they're going to market. How it. many of us felt like we had to see Barbie, and how many of us actually wanted to see a movie called Barbie? If we can't tell the difference and the marketing is that effective, then there's just a piece of me that wondered, like, 
Lovey. This is just the next step in this whole franchisey fandom place. And I left a little bit bummed out that Greta Gerwig made a fucking gigantic movie about Barbies when I think she could have probably done something else and it would have blown me away. Feel free to post me, dude. Well, let me ask, well, just, well, I I, we, don't, we don't need to drag this out because I'm happy to get into our not franchise face-off. Um, I yeah. Don't you think, did you not feel the fact that Greta Gerwig really did want to give Barbie a look? That she grew up with these things, they mattered to her, and she did want to give it a look. And yeah, she might have had some people looking over her shoulders here and there, even though she claimed she didn't. And maybe they are launching a new, no, maybe they are launching no. a new line. But don't you really didn't get that feel that she actually does care about this? It has meaning to people. It's complicated meaning, and she wanted to explore it a little bit, and then let I people think she do did. whatever they want. Yeah, she's a she's a wonderful artist. So I think she got offered in a gigantic fucking amount of money, and I she found know. a wonderful justification, and she found her way in, and she did it successfully. I'm not I'm not we're criticizing not, we're, that. We're not. We're never. But at the end of the day, Jeff, she did not approach Mattel and say, "I have a brilliant idea, and this is important to me." That's people not what happened. So let's just not people, be under the illusion. I'm not that, under the illusion. Greta Gerwig had an idea making things. a Barbie movie. People get approached for things all the time, and they say no, and then they say no, and then they look at it and think about it, and then they say yes. My two dads are fighting. <laughs> <laughs> you are Kenuff, even though Ken doesn't know who he is, so he doesn't. Jesus hey, fucking are Christ! Yeah, are how much funny. are those things going to sell? Countdown uh, to to seeing those fucking sweatshirts I on might the street. Buy one. I thought it was funny. Okay, people, we're gonna play some. You dot fucking sign. horse! Yeah, go buy all some your fucking. Yeah, you, go buy house that yo the Dojo Mojo Casa House. That oh thing is God. definitely gonna sell. Oh yeah, that thing okay. is going to sell like fucking crazy. Of course, right? of course. I saw. I saw people after the movie. I saw it on their phones. They were oh already God. looking up to see if it was real. Oh, they, this is what I'm talking they, about. Come yeah, on, yeah, come yeah. on. Are you it's kidding like me? the Olympics. They sell U.S. merchandise, whatever the you know, fucking. Oh, knows. goodness. This is how it works. Oh, All right, people. We're going to play some Doc so, so John can chill the fuck out. <laughs> and then we are going to talk about the highest grossing movies in 2012 and 2003 in part oh. one of our summer blockbuster face off I mean, for this 2013, right? I said 12 and 13. You said 12 and 3. Shut the fuck up, guys. You know what I'm what talking about. What was in that about. salad? What was in that I gotta get up so early tomorrow. I'll see you. Okay, play some Dasein. We'll see you in a second, film fans. And we're back. <laughs> oh, it's still going. Jesus. Oh, my God. All right, people. That was our conversation about that was, Barbie. That was, uh, that was Dasein. And speaking of Dasein. Let's do it. What's up? This is Dawson. Just dropping in to say, the fucking love of cinema is the best podcast out there. Fuck yeah! Ow. When I think of it, I think of uh, think of laughing. I think mm. of learning. I think mm. of getting exposed to awesome new movies uh, and fun cinema trivia. Whether it's through the franchise face-off or the blockbusters or the going by year or by director, hey, whatever. It's fucking awesome. Yeah. I That's always learn, and I'm always entertained, and I can't wait for more. Hell yeah. Can we please yeah. put that everywhere? Can we but, blast but, that but around? Then we got a second one, because, like, Jeff reading out his notes. Oh, oh yeah, and congrats on 200 episodes. Oh, my God. Uh, Dasein on all the music platforms. Download and enjoy the music of Dasein. D-A-S-E-I-N. <sighs> Jesus Christ, and it, dude. It's That's funny. great. Um, do you guys remember when we had Tina on? <laughs> I do remember when we had. Uh, yeah, yes, Jeff I... is still Jeff still cringes at night when he's lying awake, <laughs> staring up at the ceiling. That's a joke, man. So, so she she sent us Damn a message. 
Hello, love of cinema pod. Congratulations on 200 episodes. That is wonderful. Woohoo! Yeah. And what I think about when I think about the love of cinema is... Suddenly British. Three really nice guys who made a movie podcast slash drinking game. Yeah. Except when I was a guest on it, we barely drank. So do better, we love guys. The movie. Do better. Hey. Next time. Lots of hey. love. Thank you, oh, Tina. Tina the reason so she nice. says that you is should because... have me on for Barbie. Thanks. Uh, oh, Dave. Dave. <laughs> I didn't even know we were doing Barbie. Tina, that's not my fault. Uh, the, the, the Dave, funniest part is whenever, whenever we, we hit up Tina to, to come on a show, like this has already happened once, we never bring her for the movie she wants to talk about. <laughs> this has happened. This is twice now. She mentioned that we did not drink very much because we had her on for our episode of After Sun, which is a, a brilliant movie. fucking film yeah. by Charlotte Wells. I mean, it's simple. We did not yeah. drink very much at all for that, did we? It's simple. If you, if you, want, to, if you want to drink a lot on our show, come on, come on when we're doing a shitty movie. So that was Tina <laughs> Nikolova, everybody. Tina Nikolova. You can see her in the film Dark Offering and elsewhere. Thank you so much, Tina. How much did you, guys, did you guys buzz me a lot during the Barbie? I'm almost done with this. Did you, did you buzz me a lot? <laughs> Yeah, you didn't even. We bust you so much, you didn't even drink for one of them. Well, bullshit! I drank for all of them. Well, because you didn't just say like these crap, crap, crap. It was these long negative things, so it was really yeah. hard. To yeah, 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 yeah. We had to wait for you to take a breath to buzz you. I bait, oh, right. I batemaned my way into <laughs> into this situation. <laughs> Fuck you, Jeff. <laughs> I actually beat the gut on that because you said "fucking Jeff" after. Okay, fuck everybody. Let's get into it. Thank you again, Tina and Dasein. We're talking Ooh. about the Avengers. Uh, I the Avengers. That's right. This is directed by Joss Whedon, written by Joss Whedon and Zach Penn. As you, you know, you know this fucking movie came out in 2012, yeah. made a ton of money. John, 2012. <laughs> we're we're going with domestic numbers here because we are American centric. John, what movies made some money in 2012? I'll keep it to that top ten, and we'll, I'll let you take it from there, and we'll we'll do some other highlights. But um, again, domestic. The third and final to Chris Nolan's Batman trilogy came in a clean second. It was released on July 20th, so we'll also call that second for the summer. Behind Avengers, Dark Knight Rises. Kenny did steroids. <laughs> Kenny from South Park did steroids. And <laughs> oh my God, it's still funny. It's still funny. I believe every moment of Tom Hardy in that film, that's when you know it's good, and you can still make fun of it just because it's so... Yeah. This, the mask and everything is so ridiculous, but I believe it. Um, a little movie called The Hunger Games came out that oh year, God. a little bit earlier, not in the summer, in March. That's number three. I remember that weekend. It came out. Uh, the first of several. How many, Jeff? How many movies did they make of that? Four? Four. Four. Four? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a fifth that's um, going to be coming out. There's a fifth that's yeah, coming out. Yeah, a prequel. Yeah. Uh, number four on the list is Skyfall. That is Skyfall. the fourth fourth daniel craig installment this one helmed by three. Um, three, three number three third. three yeah. specter is four it's the third excuse me specter yeah. is four this one was helmed by um god damn it who is it? american beauty uh road to perdition was skyfall sam mendes sam mendes no, no, you know it was not two, two. Guy, it was not two. Two. sam mendes roger deakins think, filmed it fucking beautiful skyfall um mm. number five number five uh 
it's still the Twilight Saga Breaking Dawn from the year before, Fucking which makes hell. us all really sad because I think Jeff told me that was the worst one he had ever seen. It's the only one I saw. So my impression of that, actually, that Breaking saga Dawn Part is not One, very Breaking great. Saga Part One is up there, but actually it's the second Twilight movie that's the worst movie I've ever seen. Okay, okay. Well, I thought that was Breaking Dawn. It doesn't matter. It nope. doesn't matter. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, number six, and this is this is crazy because this came out in December. It's The Hobbit: The Unexpected Journey. So the first of the Hobbits. We're counting it for the year. Did you, it did you know they really... made extended editions of those? Because I yeah, didn't. I've watched. I, no, I I bought them I've and I've, them. I've just never watched them. They are better than the theatrical <laughs> cuts, Dave. but um, Dave, you're you're mean. You're what mean. Else? Oh, else? look at this, number seven. We have the Amazing Spider-Man. That is Andrew Garfield's first yeah. of his three. Uh, number eight. He was thirty-year-old Spider-Man riding skateboards. Yeah, he was awesome. Number eight, Brave Pixar, always in there. As anyone who's been listening, you asshole. Anyone who's been listening to these episodes, we basically every single fucking year, if not at least every other year, they are always top ten. So they're usually top five. Pixar, hmm. that's fucking impressive. Um, number nine, how many of those are now blockbusters? Uh, two right now. Cool, right? Um, Ted. Number nine. <laughs> oh, in my God. In America, yeah. Seth MacFarlane, that is fucking... Yeah, and, and these are all in America. And number 10, Madagascar 3. Another, let's give it up for DreamWorks, of course. I think that's DreamWorks. Uh, the third, maybe final installment of Madagascar. I actually never saw those movies, but yeah, that came I, in at number 10. I saw one of them. All right. Jeff, give us the serious... Well, yeah. What's the real context well, of also, that year? Um, the, well, the, I'll give you the Oscars here in a second, like the awards and other like good movies that came out. Um, so internationally there were four movies that made a billion dollars avengers skyfall God dark knight rises damn. and the hobbit would go in to make a billion dollars and then you have like ice age oh you have madagascar three men in black three you know but luckily you get life of pi down there a little bit but i think ted is going to pave the way for things moving forward because ted made a half a billion dollars and it's an r-rated comedy and nowadays these things are going straight to streaming like we're just not getting a lot of comedies in the theaters anymore yeah. so hold that thought for the rest of these things going have on have you guys seen strays of... yet not to interrupt not you yet. but no but no. no it looks good i'm yeah. gonna make a call out to our listeners go see it i saw it it's funny. It's actually it's actually funny. If you like R-rated comedy, I think you'll have a good time. Keep going. Sorry. Right. Uh, Wreck and Ralph also came out this year, which is fun. Okay, cool. I love so, that movie. um, uh, John Carter and the Born Legacy came out, and those movies actually did not make Ooh, a lot of money. Yeah. No, John Carter <laughs> uh, but, did not. But twenty-seven <laughs> movies made three hundred million dollars, which is pretty good. So this is the very famous year where Argo won Best Jesus. Picture. Um, and Les Mis won Best Musical, which is fucking hilarious at the Golden Globes. Did not age well, that. Um, <laughs> Hooper! Mr. Thomas Hooper! Yeah. So Ben Affleck was famously Pretty not nominated camera, for Tom. the Oscar. He had already won the Golden Globe when this happened, but I don't know if it was just because of the no Oscar thing, but he, oh he, he basically won every award for directing except for the Oscar, which he wasn't nominated for. A very strange year. Ang Lee would win for director, beating Steven Spielberg for Lincoln, which a lot of people thought he would win. And then Best Picture, you also had indie Life movies. Life like, is fucking crazy, it's crazy direction, though. It's so yeah. fucking beautiful. Uh, Beasts of No Nation. Or sorry, Beasts of the Southern Wild. Beasts of No Nation is coming out in 2015. Beasts of the Southern Wild and Amore were also nominated for Best Picture. So a couple of indies oh, in Beast there. Beasts of the Southern Wild. So, Jeff, so, did you come with me to see Beasts yeah, of the Southern Wild with, with the, the live, live orchestra? orchestra? Yeah, I live right next to that so place cool. then. Yeah, it was cool. Um, okay, cool. Oh, cool. So PTA was not nominated for the master for anything, for director, writing anything. Isn't that fucking crazy? It wasn't even nominated for Best <laughs> Picture. Um, oh Daniel Day-Lewis Day sweeps this year for Lincoln. Just, just absolutely destroyed. Uh, Jennifer Lawrence... Seen. 
Dave, Jennifer Lawrence won an Oscar and the SAG Award, but this was a competitive year because Jessica Chastain won, and then the the Hurt Locker thing, not the Hurt Locker, um, but the yeah, fuck man. That. Uh, the the Zero Dark Thirty had controversy. Same director, of course, Catherine Bigelow. So all of a sudden, everybody was like afraid to vote for it or something. But Jessica Chastain, you know, she kind of got swept under the rug. And so J-Law won. Mm-hmm. But Emmanuel Riva for Amor won the BAFTA. Anne Hathaway does a clean sweep for did Lay Miz. Did Jennifer Lawrence win for Silver Linings? Silver, Silver Linings Playbook, yeah. That was her year, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Anne Hathaway um, does a clean sweep for Lay Miz. And then she accepted her Oscar by saying, it came true. And then society said, you're on paid leave. <laughs> oh no oh i got it dave you gotta edit my laugh out <laughs> that, no. was <laughs> that was a good that was a solid joke oh, it was oh, a joke no. <laughs> she walked out there and said it came true and everybody's like ah okay um and that's not me talking that's everybody the oscar um, needs a buzz it needs a buzzer the oscar oh my god dude the the uh, so argo won for um writing and, and quentin won for uh Django Unchained for Django, writing Django yeah. Unchained. Yeah. Skyfall won Best Song, a more non-English film, Search for Silverman, Brave, yada, yada. Life of I won every technical award, pretty much. I will say, though, the supporting actor category is the best category of my lifetime, I think. So you have in it Alan Arkin, who was not going to win for Argo, but it was really fun. A lot of people thought Leo was going to get that for Django. He didn't get that R.I.P. spot. R.I.P. Um, yeah. Robert De Niro was somehow like the fourth likeliest person to win for Silver Linings Playbook. More on David O. Russell movies and Oscar nominations next year. Um, so Robert De Niro made a big comeback, bridging the gap between the weird comedies he was doing for the past 10 years and some of his drama stuff. But then the top three in this, you have fucking Tommy Lee Jones in Lincoln. You have Philip Seymour Hoffman in The Master. And then Christoph Waltz for Django Unchained, who ended up winning. So that is a monster category, all with people who had already won the Oscar before that, which is yeah, really dude. exciting. Um, I don't feel like reading out all these fucking movies that came out this year, although I love like Perks of Being a Wallflower and some of these other movies that are like, you know, YA, but good movies. Um, I'll just say movies that we have talked about on this episode. A Royal Affair, Cabin mm. in the Woods, oh. and Looper all came out this year. And 21 Jump Street made money. Back to those, um, you know, R-rated comedies making money. I think that's pretty cool. <laughs> Do you guys I mean, remember several episodes ago when I was like, funny. "Yeah, it is pretty funny." Do you remember several episodes when I was like, "I want to point out the movie Jumper." I thought I was mentioning Looper, oh, so now no. I'm excited to if, get on your you, piggyback. Have you seen? Wait, Jumper? you know what else? Is, you know what else? I've never seen Jumper. John, you know what else is funny about that? You should watch Jumper. That's then you'll it'll, that'll be even funnier. I also re-listened to that episode, John, and I mentioned Great Jumper. Film. So you're like, oh, another movie we didn't mention, and I had already mentioned it. So, uh, you know, fuck yourself. Okay, yeah, cool. we do that. I think we all mention these movies way too many times. I just want to give space very, 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 very quickly. Dave, if you only have like a minute or something like that on you, just since we brought up Life of Pi, I think this might be a good opportunity to mention that special effects people who the company very infamously who did the special effects for Life of Pi, by the time they accepted the award for special effects at the Oscars that year, were bankrupt because of the workflow and the way that these companies are funded is so incredibly fucked that mm. most people don't understand that it's so do you just can you just take a second because out of all of the strikes that are happening right now you, you've talked to us a few times you've been texting us about how there are rumors that somebody I'm not saying that you can announce a strike on this fucking podcast <laughs> but maybe you can you maybe you can voice some of the frustrations well, very that's, quickly that's the thing like, like um it's it's a case of shots get doled out to crews and sometimes they get doled out badly. Now they use multiple effects companies. They don't rely on just one to do the whole thing. But yeah, it's, it's kind of like uh, the gaming industry when they get close to a release, you get to crunch time. And if the directors haven't been too good on communication and notes and stuff, you can end up with a lot of changes at the last minute with, 
you know, four day render times on on right. a scene. Like it takes four days to render this change. Uh, I've even had a movie miss a deadline once because they didn't understand that it was going to take like thirty six hours to render re render those frames. And Jesus. Uh, yeah, it's you. Mi- you mentioned the other day because Jeff texted us yeah, and they, said that they're um, thinking about pushing Dune back, and you said, "Yeah, there, there are there are there is some talk about certain crews looking at possibly unionizing, uh, and that's been God a long time coming. Long time coming. So yeah, support they, for that. Like, I mean, can you imagine working on a movie as big as that wrong. and like, not knowing if you're going to be bankrupt in a year? That's, I mean, that's the thing. It's it's going to be a hard fight because a lot of these guys love it and they love the push and they love the pressure. So you you're going to have these guys who just you know would like a fair go and not and not to be like worked to the grave. And then you have got the other guys who are like fucking gung ho, let's go, yeah, and take pride in it. So they they've got to sort themselves out before any of that can move forward. Well, it should be so. it should be like theater actors, yeah. like tech week for theater. You have ten out of twelve, so you have to work twelve hour days essentially with little breaks but and it's like but you're only allowed to do a couple you know what i mean so anyway yeah that, that might be it for actors well i wouldn't give for a 12 hour day <laughs> i'm just gonna call out one more uh a couple more films just because the impossible came Rob out on a, christmas that's pretty fun it's a, movie about a, fucking, a movie about yeah. a tsunami destroying um an entire island nation um came and out that on christmas. Movie, merry christmas that fuckers. movie <laughs> That movie gave us a very young Tom Holland. Yeah, Dave, yeah. you're welcome. Who would go on to be Spider-Man, of course, in the the recent Marvels franchise? Um, I don't own I Tom to Holland. Shout out. Oh, come on! He's, he's I wanted my, to call out. He's, he's in my cupboard right now. <laughs> he is. He might be in your fifth pocket. It's a tiny, <laughs> tiny little man. He's he's so handsome. So um, flexible too. Uh, flight. I wanted to call that out. Robert Zemeckis's Flight Denzel Washington. That movie was awesome. Yeah, that's I a ten. Don't think get enough love. And one of my favorite it's cult movies that came out this year that nobody talks about this movie ever. And Mark from the Matt and Mark Movie Podcast and I both love this movie, The Gray. Liam Neeson oh, versus the Wolves. Yeah. I, nobody talks I, about I this movie, it. dude, I but it. I thought I it was it. fucking cool, dude. I wrote that. I didn't feel like I reading. will find you and I will stiff your ass And then uh, I know that uh, I know Jeff and I, Dave, I don't know if you've seen this movie, but The Savages. Um, God damn it. What is her name? With Laura Lenny and um, Philip Seymour Hoffman. It's the same woman who wrote and directed. Um, Not the first person to tell me I should look. I should hunt this down. So yeah. I, uh, Jeff, do you, do you have her name off the top of your head? Who made the savages? I feel like I of called her name. Of course I do. Like, uh, who made the sandwiches? Of course you do. Yeah, I mean, who directed? The savages just, was, so, was Tamara obviously G- Tamara, Tamara Tamara Jenkins. Tam- Tamara Jenkins. Tamara Jenkins. That movie is fucking beautiful. All right. Anyway, let's move on. This is so good. Such a good year. All right. Avengers. We don't need to set this shit up. I already kind of did. What do you guys want to think about the Avengers? Did you rewatch? I did rewatch. Dave, you rewatched recently. John? I've rewatched all of those recently. Yeah. No? I did not rewatch, but I have seen this movie so many times. I mean, really? This is a real a real standout. That's Probably not like you. So many, I say so many times. Three. Four, enough, enough since 2012 to say that I'm super, super familiar with with most of the frames of this movie. Yeah, for sure. This, this is definitely one of the peaks of like. They I think really... it was commercially. Yeah. I think I think we have a unique insight to that. By it, listeners, remember the past several weeks we've been talking about how like Iron Man was not number one and Thor was not number one. We were talking about this buildup. This is the first time that they are cleanly number one. One point five billion, summer, right? And number, number one, one by yeah. a fucking bullet, like it, 1. it 5, shot yeah, through. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was this, like number this, two or I mean, three all time. When and I think because they took their time and just introduced piece, things piece by piece. Now, now they've kind of fallen. Like because I know when DC tried to do Justice League, they rushed the fuck out of it, and everyone was like, "Oh, we're not there yet." And like they they short cutted some storylines <laughs> and shit. And the, uh, did you guys laugh at the Justice League joke in Barbie? 
it's like yeah. I got yes. really invested in the Zack Snyder cut of Justice yeah, 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 League. Yeah, yeah. And it just the, my whole theater went nuts. My whole theater went nuts. Yeah, yeah, Sorry, keep going. Theater too. Um, but yeah, they, they took their time with it. They introduced a character. They had a cut scene that made you wait a year at the end for like, oh, there's a hammer. And I, I must admit, I was very interested when they were going to do Thor because I'm like, how the fuck are they going to introduce magic and mystical shit? Now that then chucked them all together and made them hate each other. And threw really good Loki idea. into the mix. Yeah. It that was, was really yeah, smart, yeah. It was like... That's and, how they went, ooh, Civil War, we have an idea, let's go. Let's do it again. Yeah. <laughs> well, that, that that comic existed for a long time, Civil yeah, yeah, War. Yeah. <laughs> I'm but, assuming so. Oh, okay. But yeah, it was. this was everything. It did everything right. Like, they marketed it right, they it set is, it up right, yeah. uh, they had the big bad looming, and they still didn't really get to the big bad. By this point, this there was sub bad. It's so, extremely. It's it's almost like we've come, but also so you, far. Your villain sorry, was Loki. No, finish, Who's finish, more fun yeah. than fucking Loki? Loki was great, and and even that, just the introduction. Yeah. Is amazing. Even when he's bad, he's good. Well, it's great like, to know that we don't need to get to the yeah. boss when you have a villain as good as Loki, who clearly yeah. like has so much he wants, is so flawed, is undeserving. Like, I think that because that's a trick I think with a lot of these movies is they make the villains too big, too bad, and then they kill them right away. And it's like, well, how great could they have been in the first place? Like the Christian Bale character, I'll never, I'll never forgive from um, Thor: Love and Thunder. No, that me either. That character could have been the next fucking Thanos if they set him up that way. And he, he was a world yeah. killer. To be. He was a yeah. world killer, and then he, like all of a sudden that's that. it. It was over. Whereas in this, yeah, it was like Loki simple in a way, but at the same time, obviously, he could fucking fuck the whole world up. Anyway, sorry. What were you gonna well, say, Loki, Loki's a petulant child. Like that's basically what he is. He's what a fucking awesome character. But he has yeah. a very simple goal. He wants to rule. He can't rule here. He and the intro, there. it's so simple. Um, he gets but, the tesseract. He could, you know, it's it's that was, so that simple. That was the thing about like this series of movies in their in their heyday because you had something as simple as Loki, but he was also a little bit conflicted. But then you had something as complex as Killmonger in Black Panther. Mm-hmm. Where mm-hmm. you're kind of on his side a little bit. And again, none of them are Thanos. You know, we don't need that every single time. I love that. Anyway. Yeah. And and tell me exactly when this gets introduced in the movie, but if I remember correctly, they're not trying to pull the wool over anybody's eyes. Loki appears before Thanos, right? Um, At what point? No, uh, same. I think it's the same time. Because Loki turns up after his meeting with Thanos. So you see it early on in the movie. Yeah, it's, what like, I'm it's like the first, it's like the, op- the actual. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So I like that they're. I, sometimes it's annoying when you're watching franchise movies and then they or serialized crime drama hmm. stuff and and you think you're dealing with the big boss and then at the end of it they die and it's somebody else it's like yeah, oh there's yeah. always someone bigger this, i this like one, that they just put it out there yeah. at the beginning that there's a mysterious big boss and i don't think he was mysterious to people who were no. invested in the the marvel saga i didn't know who it was though dave and i appreciated mm. that they were like there is something massive that's going to happen the reason i loved it so much is because this is really important to say this um leading up to this movie all I had been introduced to in terms of otherworldly characters was Thor. Yeah. So it's not that I didn't know that there were characters outside of Earth. And I we had spent a lot of time on, on his planet. I, I knew the aliens existed and stuff, but the way they introduced the climax of Avengers, the way they introduced Thanos' alien army, yeah, it justifies a lot of what happens for the character arcs for Tony Stark that we'll talk mm-hmm. about later and a lot of the other 
Earth-bound character superhero Avengers for the rest of the series. And I thought that that was just so brilliant that they very consciously acknowledged yeah. it at the beginning with Loki paying homage and you know groveling almost and taking mm -hmm. orders before this mysterious boss who was eventually going to have a payoff but still be kept in some kind of you know veil by the yeah. end of it and I, I do love as well that there's one of the saving graces of Iron Man 3 like um that which is up against this sadly um not sadly but it, it's they deal with his PTSD uh, from this <laughs> Yeah, it yeah, no, fucking on. crazy. It, one, one should stay. Uh, yes, I agree. Uh, well, this PTSD. is wait, wait, who's this PTSD? Is... Wait, say that again, because I was trying to make jokes. What? Who's PTSD? Iron Man. Tony Stark. Iron he, he, oh yeah, because of yeah. I see what you're saying. Because of the whole going to, going to space and sacrificing himself. Did you? Have you? You've watched this to right to the end of the credits, right? With the shawarma scene. I mean, I remember that in the theater. That was so funny. The yeah. fucking shawarma scene. Is it shawarma or pho? Shawarma. No, shawarma. He, make, he makes a joke when he comes back when the, when Hulk wakes him up. Oh! Yeah, yeah. And then he's like, and then he's like, oh, so we're good. Let's go yeah, get some shawarma. I saw this shawarma place a minute ago. I was like, I don't know what it is, but I want uh, it. Again, um, and we can talk about. We can just maybe all shout out some of our favorite moments. One thing that this movie introduced that we had not seen yet. They had not gotten their own movie yet. Yeah. It's the fucking Hulk. So we were all kind of waiting. Well, Hulk did get his own movie. Um, not not this not, not this version. Not this not the, well, Those those yeah, are yeah. included Hulk in the MCU. Um, Hulk came out the same year. Those as are I like MCU, that but... movie. I like the Ed Norton yeah. Hulk. I, I do. I think that movie's pretty good. But this one, we're all kind of waiting for like, what the fuck is going on with Mister Banner? Yeah, Doctor Banner. Yeah, I love how they established like how early do they know these things these giant character arcs i love that they send scarlett johansson's black widow to yeah. grab him yeah and that he's doing you know dr sans borders and he's somewhere you know fucking doing some good work and everybody is fucking terrified there's a lot of wonderful <laughs> humor with yep. the reality of these people's powers and the threats that they cause and marvel knows it they're they're yeah. giving every chance they, well, they get to they make actually... humor not at the expense of their characters at the expense of our knowledge of the characters. Mm. And that's that's something that I think is really brilliant, which is why they always make you laugh without taking any, any power away from the people on screen. That's that's yeah. admirable. I think it's either Sony or someone else who actually owns the rights to the Hulk. Um, so they can't make an independent Hulk film. He can only mm. appear with other Avengers. That's weird. I'm not, And I'm not as huge the, of a fan of tank Dave I don't think I don't think Ruffalo yeah. wants it. <laughs> Dave, what do you guys call? What do Marvel fans call the the changed Hulk by like the last movies oh, the where Hulk? he's like Smart Hulk? Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't care for that. that I, don't, was, I don't like him. Like, oh, being... yeah. If you take it right to the end of the track, they made some they made some missteps. Smart Hulk. I didn't was one love of them. that. But when Mark Ruffalo says, "I'm always angry," I was game on, dude. Yeah. I was fucking. I was yeah, ready oh to God. fucking go yeah, by the time that shit happened. Which is that funny blew because me the fuck away. Which is funny because early on, so I guess he's always angry, but he can control it, which is why he's not always the Hulk, right? Because early he's like on, he's a functional alcoholic. Yeah, yeah he's exactly, basically exactly. like he's I'm he's ready to rock. <laughs> Hulk has my two favorite moments in this movie. I'm always angry, and then when he grabs Loki. And oh, just yeah. fucking well, <laughs> it's, it's funny because the, the scene with Do you uh, even know who I am? Yeah, the scene with Loki <laughs> and Tony Stark. Um, that's meant to lead up to a big like that was I think originally in the comics, he does that to the Hulk. And it ends up Avengers versus the Hulk in the battle. Wow. He takes over the Hulk. But oh, they did it with, they did it with Yeah. 
Like brand work. That would have been difficult. And they, yeah. they subverted yeah. it. They did, um, and Joss Whedon, for all his credit, back when he was a really good filmmaker, before he crashed and burned, we found out all the shit that he was doing. Well, he was he was always a good filmmaker. Just um, he's probably yeah, unfortunately person. he's probably oh, still he's made a good some filmmaker. crap yeah. since. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> I, I haven't seen anything. You have a button, been, yeah. dude. Don't just zzz me. Yeah, I'm. I'm, in, uh, I'm, bu- I'm, I'm busy. Yeah. Um, Universal Pretty, has Rod? the Universal <laughs> had the rights, and actually, there's st- it's still a, even Variety is unsure, like if they've sold the rights, and that's how they got Mrs. or the um the the Hulk, She Hulk, She Hulk. Like, anyway, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I, well, I love the yeah, They own She Hulk, but not Hulk, so he can only appear with other characters. He anyway, can't appear no, on his yeah. own. So I guess it's Universal. I'm also gonna throw. I'm also gonna throw one more piece of trivia out because I think this is funny. I think Avengers has the only musical theme out of every single fucking Marvel movie that has ever come out that anybody might be familiar with. Can you guys, can either of you hum it right now or da, sing it? Da, 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 da. Nope, I can't. Nope. That's. I, no, if you played it for me, dun, I would be. Oh, yeah, that thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's it. That's it. That, that is right. It's, it's, in, it's in your head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it might be the only one. I just thought it was funny. Out of all these movies, yeah. we've talked about how, like, the no, the themes just don't seem to exist musically for characters the same way. There is an Avengers theme. Alan Silvestri wrote it. Yep. And it's he, he came back for all the others. So I should, I should it, hand it, in my Marvel fan cards itself. for forgetting that. You should, motherfucker. <laughs> I have memories of like walking into or walking past, you know, theaters after they've let out yeah. and just hearing that kind of echoing <laughs> out. But I think that I do think that that might be one of the reasons why there are elements like that that are subconscious that elevate this one to another level. I think Marvel did a good job of keeping the Avengers movies just above the other ones. The other ones can be as good in terms of the drama and the storytelling, but there is something more epic about what these movies are supposed to be. When they all finally have to come together, they don't have to try to rationalize why, where are the Avengers? (laughs) The way that they, they have so much work ahead of them. Every other movie where it's just a solo character, you're like, but where are the other ones? <laughs> where the yeah. fuck are the other Avengers? And why aren't they just solving this problem together really quickly? They don't have to worry about with these movies. And I think they pull them off. I think so. It works these... with Samuel L. Jackson that he, mm. he's like, I chose you guys. This is what we want. This is our mission. Like, it, it's simple. Dave, and you're just give us very quickly, just fucking get your, your nerd on really quickly. Are the Avengers movies, other than the second one, in your top five for your Marvel th- one through phase four? Um, Avengers is the Avengers is, um, Ultron, Infinity War and uh, Infinity War Endgame or yes, not? Endgame no. All right, but we're gonna get to Endgame. At some That's point. the hammer. Let's move on. Yeah, yeah. Let's keep going. All right, so we've gone through twenty eight of our. So we had other things to talk about here. Um, okay, we're talking about Iron Man three now. But first, we got to set up the year, give you some context. Two thousand thirteen. I should say, I, I forget if I made this clear last time. Both of these movies came out the first week of May. I think I said that earlier in the episode. So, this movie actually came out on May third, but we're counting that because it sort of kickstarts summer. So, even though it's before Memorial Day, go fuck yourself. It's a summer movie. So, John, what other movies yeah, in two thousand thirteen made some money in the domestic box office? We're going to keep going with The Hunger Games, number two. Just boom, 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 rolling right out. It came out in November, and it's still number two. Catching Fire, yeah. I should probably watch these movies at some time. I think I saw one of them. Anyway, Despicable Me 2. I think you saw one of the the last ones. 
I think you came with me. It sounds right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think we may have gone together. Yeah. Um, number th- number three, Despicable Me two. Oh. There you go for um, some animation. That would number have been four, our that would have been our number one if we only did Memorial Day, and I'm really fucking happy we we're not doing that. Okay. Okay. Good. Because that's the highest grossing like uh, Memorial Day to whatever. Do I, do I buy number that? four? <laughs> I don't know. Number four. <laughs> Good God Almighty, y'all! It's it's weird even mentioning this movie. You should check out our episode on it where Mark joined us. Frozen. This thing came out in November. <laughs> it's is, number four. Uh, hands down, that's one of the funniest fucking. This movie we went on recorded. to become. It's it's <laughs> iconoclastic now at this point. Right? It's like it's got this weird. It's a you know, classic. Aura with, it's a classic it. with kids, and it gives parents PTSD. Yes. Honestly, yeah, yeah that <laughs> song it does. Like it's gonna be. We have don't nobody hum it. Nobody whistle it, but that's going to be... God damn it! Fucking <laughs> 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 okay, fuck all of you. Oh, my God. Am I about to get sued by Disney? Yeah, we're not. We're going to get a copyright (laughs) strike on YouTube, dude. (laughs) Oh my god. Um, There's better songs in that movie. Anyway, sorry. Go ahead. Okay. Okay. Number five, Man of Steel. This is um, (laughs) Dave. Is Man of Steel DC's first answer to these big Marvel successes in quite a while? Yeah. After Nolan's Dark Knight Rises, which was last year, this is their first venture on Man of Steel. Actually, he did. He executive um, produced it, and, and he, he consulted he's on the it. One who introduced the ending that I really liked, but uh, there yeah, one this, point he was attached was, to it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he he came in as a supervising producer, I think, like a con- like cons- consultant, and contributed to the the edit and post production and stuff like that, and ideas for story. Um, one of my favorite trailers of all time was for this movie with Lisa Gerard singing in the background. Anyway, number six. Monsters University. Give it up, Pixar. I called it yeah. every fucking year. These motherfuckers have something in they the top deliver. ten. Number number seven. Suck Gravity. Oh Gravity. yeah, dude. Gravity, yeah. dude. Dude, you want to? You want know a funny story? I waited eight years to watch that. Gravity. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Has some of those? Why did you? What do you has, mean? I just I didn't watch it when it came out, and I just waited. Like I I saw it. I think oh, you the, mean you? I think literally... I saw it. I watched it on the plane going on my honeymoon. <laughs> Uh, it was I thought you were flight, like, I heard they're developing this movie. No, no, no. You just waited to watch it. Yeah. I watched that movie in a giant theater by myself in New York City. Nobody was there. It was just me. And it was like one of the monsters like in Lincoln Center or something. <laughs> Gosh, yeah, shut up. <laughs> Number eight, Fast and Furious 6. Give it up. Number nine, Oz and the Great and Powerful. Raise your hand if you saw that movie. Number 10. All right. Okay. Number 10. Was Great and Power- Was that the one with Hugh Jackman? Uh, no, 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 no. It was uh, James Franco. Yeah, it was James there Franco and uh, oh yeah, <laughs> and, uh, and, and number ten, who does number Megan ten, Family Mila, Guy is the Mila Kunis. Uh, yeah, Mila Kunis. Mila Kunis. Yeah. yeah, she did a great number job. Actually, is, number ten is The Hobbit: The Desolation of Smaug. Anyone who hasn't watched the uh, video of Mr. Here. Benedict Cumberbatch like crawling around yeah, in his fun. mocap suit and doing yeah. the performance, it's fucking cool. He plays the dragon Smaug. It's got Jeff, wood and everything. Hit me. Um, other movies that made some money this year. You got The Wolverine, Pacific Rim, World War Z came out this year, which is cool. Um, yes. uh, Frozen and Iron Man 3 would both go on to make a lot of money. Frozen would actually out-earn Iron Man 3 with $1.28 mm. billion. At the time, the highest grossing uh, animated movie and highest grossing female directed movie it would get passed by Frozen 2. Stay tuned for that. Uh, they re-released yeah, Jurassic Park in 3D. So Jurassic Park from 1994 across the $1 billion mark. Blue is the warmest color won the Palme d'Or. 
And the Oscars mm. is largely 12 Years a Slave Against Gravity is sort of the year that it's remembered as. So 12 Years a Slave wins Best Picture, and Steve McQueen got that award. Uh, oh, the and they got thing, best... I saw 12 Years a Slave, but not Gravity. That's it, yeah. That's I mean, probably I, the right move. I, saw that, I, lo yeah, I lost my phone, and I was doing a real estate job, so I was literally useless. So I went and saw it with no phone, and I was really moved. It's amazing, like, when you're cut off, I was like, yeah. Everybody in the bathroom was like trying to hide their eyes. Yeah, as well. I feel like that's an ad for like. Are you saying your you, phone you don't turn movie, your phone off? Yeah, hold on. You don't turn your phone off during a movie. No, no, but dude, I just, you texted I just, us during the movie once. Shut the fuck up, guys. I was. I'm just saying that I was so free. How do you have a yellow legal pad and your phone? Okay, during during. <laughs> don't a movie. bring a legal pad in. <laughs> I'm not. A, I'm not. What the fuck? Um, John Ridley won uh, screenplay for Twelve Years a Slave, but then. Gravity won Best Director and won Best Cinematography. We'll be talking more about Chivo, the cinematographer, Manuel Lubetsky moving forward. Uh, supporting actress, of course, went to Lupita Nyong'o, also for 12 Years a Slave. Um, Gravity won a whole bunch of technical awards, yada, 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 blah, 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 blah. Um, Gravity also won Score, which is another interesting one since it was largely set in space, but they still got Score. Somehow a lot of the sound effects were- I love that score. Music, which it's is, so yeah, it's cool. Really, really cool. It's such a good score. So this is the year Matthew space, McConaughey and Jared Leto- one for Dallas Buyers Club. You can only hear the orchestra. That's good. Kate Blanchett won her second Oscar for Blue Valentine. Sorry. sorry, Blue Jasmine. Not Blue Valentine. That's a different movie. Blue Jasmine. Yeah. Very um, different movie. <laughs> and other standout performances. So this is I, I didn't I didn't say this explicitly last year, but this is the second year in a row that David O. Russell had four actors nominated for Oscars in his movie. God damn. So dude. last so this is American Hustle. He had God, that's gotta be a good feeling, dude. Yeah. yeah, in American Hustle he had four and then last year in Silver Lines he gets eight for your acting Oscars yeah. in two years. Uh and one win, of course, for J-Law. Uh Leo and Jonah were both nominated for Wolf of Wall Street. Shout out Martin Scorsese. Let's go. Oh, um, I really don't movie. feel like mentioning a lot of movies, so I'm gonna be quick. Warm bodies, gangster squad got bumped because of the fucking weird shooting and the, the shooting in the theater scene that really fucked people up. Oblivion came out this year. The God, first were you there? Were you almost there? You were like down I was five the road? miles away. I was in a different theater in Denver, Colorado, seeing a midnight show. Yeah, really fucking weird. Huh. The purge. The Lone Ranger bombed, Pacific Rim, Rush came out this year. And then this is actually a great year for indie movies because you had Short Term 12, really kicked Brie Larson and um, oh, Lakeith yes. into a big thing. Mm. Enough Said, um, Nicole Hoff, Hall of Center, JLG, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, and then um, Tony. No, sorry, not Tony. Um, 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 Tony, Soprano. Tony Soprano, um, Jim. Jim, one of his last movies. Nebraska, Philomena, Francis Ha, shout out Greta Gerwig. Fruitvale Station, and Before Midnight. Great indie movies this year. That's it. Let's I'll also call out with the indie movies scene. This was the uh, the gestation period of the McConaissance that we would begin to experience a couple years later with Matthew McConaughey's rise back mm -hmm. into stardom. Mud came out this year, oh, right, which yeah. apparently is what Nolan and other people saw. Uh, who's the guy who made Dallas Buyers Club? He saw it, and they all were like, okay. Look at Matthew McConaughey doing something different, and look what <laughs> look what happened there over the next six or seven years. Yeah, um, true, true yeah, this is another this good year, year for Matthew McConaughey. I, I do. Uh, I do I'll also that we call have out that constant theme of like people who did like comedy movies and stuff like that back in the like the nineties or eighties or whatever, and now they're suddenly getting their their renaissance. I I, I do like with getting that older and yeah, I, the, that natural evolution of the comedy into drama. I want to call out because this this blows me away every time I watch it. Because um, I think it was this year. Yeah. The last sequence of Captain Phillips. Oh, yeah. That Captain. movie 
was effective, but the last sequence of that, when that when they're finally rescued, unbelievable. If anybody hasn't seen that movie, I mean, yeah, you should check it out. But the, the ending is really incredible. Was that this guy? Um, he runs runs to the back of the boat and he's like, and the numbers I have it is November twenty thirteen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You're right. You're right. Twenty thirteen. <laughs> okay, let's talk about Iron Man three. Made so much money the year after the Avengers. This made one point two billion dollars. I mean, standalone. I don't know how Robert this Downey made so much money after they released Iron Man two. Yep. Dave. Dave, come on, man. Dave. Shane Black stop directed on this. Your, your favorite, your by favorite Drew fucking franchise. Black. Hey, it has some black sheeps. This has. I mean, two was one. Are you mentioning Shane Black? Uh, or, or was that a tie-in <laughs> to uh, the author, the writer, director Shane Black, who um, penned such famous scripts as all the lethal weapons, and yes. now is directing this? That who directed no, uh, Iron Man three, but... the highest-grossing standalone, right? <laughs> Besides coming back together with Mr. Robert Downey Jr. after his writing and directing Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, which Robert Downey Jr. cites as his, he kind of talks about that. Apparently he started doing whatever martial arts he studies after his recovery from his his uh, addictions in the 90s, kind of earning his way back through TV, like Ally McBeal. Uh, he started appearing in movies like Zodiac and then in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, I think it was in 2004, Shane Black wrote and directed that. Film. That was the first time, so fucking good. Yeah. That was the first time he was kind of at that leading man status again, where he, you know, he's always deserved to be there, but he had a physical prowess as well. He does something amazingly physical in movies like Chaplin in the early 90s, but this was the first time he had like a, a kick ass power behind him, yeah. which he says gave him the confidence to start thinking about being able to pull off those kinds of leading male roles. So I just thought it was really beautiful and serendipitous that they found their way back to each other for one of the Iron Man sagas, just because, I don't know, I think that's cool. RDJ is clearly on the top of the fucking mountain at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so hit me, Dave. Did you rewatch it? I I rewatched it last night. I hadn't seen this one in a long time. I rewatched it. It's it's funny because this is the one that, like, you kind of forget what happens in it, and it's... It's very relevant. It's it's his recovery story, like he's broken, yes. and it's it's a very very different. And I think that's why I didn't like it at the beginning because it's a very very different Tony Stark. I was like, this is not the cool swagger that we've like normally too got. Too reflective, too yeah. Because he's, he's, he's just, voiceovering he's, like yeah, he's I'm fucked up. I'm yeah. scared. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it's like nobody likes to see the heroes crumble. And this is the guy who, you know fucking flew into a black hole and daddy's crying yeah daddy's having an anxiety attack and, yeah, yeah, so yeah, I yeah. Think the, the very first time i watched this it rubbed me the wrong way but on a rewatch it's really fucking good i think i complete dude you nailed it i cannot agree more i think when i first saw it too it was almost jarring because this movie yeah. was the first movie to come out after avengers right yeah so this is the first and remember folks try to put yourself back in that place tony stark was our introduction to this world with 2006's iron man which we mentioned we now have Avengers, which was the first culmination of this gigantic, okay, we're going to deal with the universe and all the heroes coming together. And the answer to the Avengers was Iron Man 3, where, as Dave is first saying, thing, yeah. the protagonist, the guy that we have gone along with the whole way, our leader, our cocky motherfucker that always has the answers and is willing to do whatever it takes, except for sacrifice himself, he won't learn that lesson until later, is having a movie that is entirely framed within his PTSD. That's, yeah. that's risky. Yeah. I, I mean, that's that's quite real. I don't know. That's risky. It didn't land for me the way it landed on the rewatch. I totally yeah, agree. Absolutely. 
It didn't. So you're saying it, it aged well, like you're rewatching. It definitely aged well. Yeah. I think, I think it, it aged much better in context like, yeah. of the entire canon didn't of like Iron of Man three. The, watch it now. Yeah. I like, think so too. Because I so I rewatched it too. This is only the second time I'd ever seen it. And first of all, I love Guy Pierce. Again, introduced the villain early on. I kind of yep. like being back. I kind of like being back in time. So that's how it opens. It opens in the past where he has um, Michelle Monaghan. That was fun. Very um, charming. And. You know, maybe a little device. Switzerland, she 1999 So maybe that's a little device. Yeah. But that's okay. That's what these movies are. And I was, his like being up late at night to constantly perfect the suit, which saved his life multiple times in the last movie, but he still wanted more and wanted better. And he could sleep. And then it was getting in the way of his marriage. And then, you know, he's living in LA now, not New York, because of the, obviously the building, like at the end of the Avengers, like, oh, he's just going to stay in that tower after just got fucking destroyed by aliens. That seems like everybody get out of New York City. That's what I've been saying for years. Why are people still in New York City? Everybody move. Yeah. yeah. I would live on a mountain. God, your insurance must be going up. <laughs> Yeah, it was home his rental insurance or his uh, homeowner yeah. insurance. Anyway, yeah. I I completely agree. Because even if you <laughs> just Geico, if you just Geico said this, wearing fucking bling, oh, he's got that much money. Because I I mean, being on a boat that's on fire for the final sequence, it kind of just reminds me of all those like '80s and '90s action movies. Like, take your pick. Like, there's somebody, it could be a speed yeah. movie. It could be a, a, a lethal <laughs> weapon movie. But there's something about the way it's and these are Shane Black's wheelhouse, right? That's that's like but, he he made a lot of those. He wrote a lot of this. I think the boldest thing for me is scaling it back and just focusing on this character after the Avengers, which again didn't scale up too much. The fact that you know yeah. Infinity War and all these other movies they just kept getting bigger, bigger, bigger. The fact that this one is simple again, even though we're talking about fucking Osama Ben Kingsley, like you know, like this huge. <laughs> God, he's good. <laughs> Do I buzz that? Trevor, <laughs> Trevor, <hell>. Trevor Slattery. <laughs> Why he is, is so why good. Is he, always, he, he, he always plays he divides, actors. He divides moments into like Trilla moments, dude. Like every the fucking yeah. minutia of his beat when to beat is with, incredible. When you see him with the two women, you're just like, what? Like, what the fuck is going on? Oh my god, he's wouldn't go in there for another twenty minutes. <laughs> <laughs> just a simple poop joke. It's just a simple poop joke, and he like knows how to do it. Anyway. But so there's worldwide terrorism that's going on, but it's always through his point of fucking view. They don't scale out, and I love that. I, I really, yeah. I like this movie a lot better than I thought I was going to on the rewatch. To be honest, I felt the same way, dude. I, I haven't watched a Marvel movie in a while. I guess well, I, certainly not since these the more disappointing recent ones that yeah. we've all watched. But I feel like some of the and, some uh, of the Avengers fans wanted out. more at the time because if you look at the reviews, it's like you know, some, of, some of the diehard yeah. fans were disappointed by this, probably because it was scaling back and they wanted everybody to keep oh, turning yeah. the screw. All so those diehard diehard fans are the fucking problem. Yeah, then they get to Endgame, they're like, oh my god, we earned it, and it's like, yeah, you motherfucking, you were so impatient. <laughs> no, you didn't. Winged and whined. You winged yeah. and whined. That's what happened. You waited the a kid, year for this movie to come out, and then you went, I wanted more. Where's Thanos? Where's... Uh... Ugh. The Go kid in this is uh, yeah. is really good, isn't he? Yeah. He's also in uh, Jurassic World, isn't he? We're going to talk about him in just a little bit. Oh, my God. Um, it is isn't it the same kid. boy? Get the fuck out of here. The really, one he makes a Christmas... Really good yes, job. it is, 100%. The one he yeah. makes the Christmas story joke. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's like another random kid. I'm talking about the main kid in oh, Tennessee. Yeah, yeah, sorry. He's yeah. like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the kid from Insidious. Um, <laughs> what, a, yeah, what a child star. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think that's I think that's the gist of this movie. Like, of all of the firsts that Dave and I were mostly praising Avengers for, how do you return to a scaled-down story for the third time, which is now technically yeah. the fourth time because Stark was in Avengers, so that yeah. was technically his fourth movie, how do you or third movie? So how do you come back for the fourth I mean, time and funny. actually try to say something new? I yeah. love the work that they did 
with uh, Pepper, with Gwyneth Paltrow's Pepper. That is always ongoing, yeah. but it's how do you try to peel new layers off of that and try to make it really exist? I like that they involved some past relationships and how that those past relationships, even if they were like a one night stand, ended up being wonderful commentary on how Pepper and Tony Stark interact with each other, their banter, how it creates problems, how it solves problems. I thought it helped develop character with them. Uh, it got me again last night. I knew Pepper lived, but when she first falls, I was like, holy shit. That, yeah. the, the fight, the stakes that go into him fighting Aldrich, uh, Guy Pierce's villain at the very end, he thinks that she's dead. I mean, there's just, you know, there's, there's pretty intense mm. stakes here that are still somehow grounded and once I, again back in reality. If, I don't know if you watched some of the more modern stuff like that came out in the last couple of weeks, but that orange shit seems to be back as no, well. So it, just, like, they've kind of re- revived that, I think. I don't know for sure. No one's shit. confirmed it's it, back. but like, yeah, the that drug that like rebuilds them and shit, and yeah, that, okay, 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 yeah, yeah. That seems like that was quite a piece of technology to never introduce again. So that's well, probably good. They're yeah, bringing no, it back. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I've I've seen something that looks a lot like it in uh, Secret Wars. They also attacked well, Air Force. They guys. also attacked Air Force One in this movie. So that's pretty cool. Um, okay. I love when the politics. I love when the real world politics get brought in. Like for some, sometimes in these these Marvel movies, you forget that there's a real world. Like the villains in some of the later Marvel movies are people who work for black ops governmental agencies, like Jeff Bridges and mm. and pe- characters like that. And sometimes you, it just seems like. Come on, like what's actually happening on the ground with with are they just monitoring what the Avengers are doing? Probably, but it's fun whenever they're involved, just to remind you that there are fucking stakes here and the government still has to be doing something. And I like how they thread that needle in this one a lot. And it's a little black mirror that he can build new suits and then they might actually turn on him. That's kind of black it's kind of AI black mirror too. So I again this movie did age really well. I was surprised because I I really was expecting. This was laying the groundwork for Ultron. Definitely. Me too. I love it. And Robert Downey Jr. All right, let's so do much it. Money. Let's Too vote. much money. They couldn't let's make vote. another one. Um, I'm going to go first. I'm going to go first. I'm, let's vote. I want to vote for Iron Man 3 because I had such a fun rewatch and it surprised me so much. But I'm not going to. It's obviously Avengers. But I, I just can't say it enough. I was shocked at how much I enjoyed watching that. Yeah. That was a fun rewatch. Dave? But it's clearly Avengers. This movie's crazy. Dave? Uh, yeah, I, I agree 100% with John. And how many times have you heard me say that on this show? <laughs> Never. First time. It only took 200 episodes for us to finally yes. agree, you fucking asshole. <laughs> Fuck you, Dave. Haven't said that um, in a while. <laughs> I, I agree too. It's three out of three. Um, No question. So this... This yeah. against God we hit the it, button Jeff. at the same time. What do you want from me? This against <laughs> I feel like this this and Dark Knight are both like up there for the best summer movies of the. And there's even you know what even I'll in the Avengers there's things to put together. I'll just convince some of the camera chair. movements and stuff. Like I'm sure like some you know Martin Scorsese I can see him rolling his eyes. But who gives a fuck? They really they really the 360. They stole some <laughs> Michael yeah. Bay. Just wait until they stole the Michael Bay 360. Just, just to keep he? it moving. And then whenever the camera hits people, they just start talking. He's like on the you phone. Know. Hey Mike. Mike, like, and now this? it's my turn to be mad too because the camera's on me and it's like you know they do stuff like that that's, but it's like it's just it, they know they know what they're doing anyway it's incredibly satisfying All right. it's a satisfying blockbuster Avengers. well let's take a break because i have to pee. well take a yeah. break we're, we're finishing our episode because yeah, we're, we're going we're, to part two we're wrapping this one up now and we're gonna come back with part two friends oh, 200th episode God. which of course is gonna be our 201st episode but 200 episode part yes, two 200 part one and 200 part two we're doing they're a harry talk, potter they're gonna talk about oppenheimer <laughs> And I'm going to ask them questions about it. 
And um, and then we're going to do Guardians of the Galaxy. We'll try not to ruin the historically accurate movie. Versus Jurassic World. I'm very curious about this, actually. I know who I'm voting for, but Guardians versus Jurassic World. Oppenheimer coming out. And then, of course, the rest of our voicemails. Can't wait to see you soon, Phil fans. See you then.